Welcome to Passionate and Prosperous, the only podcast about creating success in your life and business by using your voice, gifts, and skills to do the work that lights you up, make money, and have massive impact in the world. This show teaches coaches, creatives, and service-oriented human beings how to trust in yourself and leverage your unique message, experience, and expertise to attract your ideal audience, create clients, and organically build your soul-aligned business. I'm your host, Mindset and Business Strategy Coach, Stacey Brass Russell, and I can't wait to help you to set yourself up for success and use your passion to create the prosperous life and business that you truly desire. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Passionate and Prosperous. Oh, I have such a good episode for you today. I can't wait to talk to you about this topic. So today's episode, I'm calling There's Nothing New and You Can't Do Anything Wrong. So first of all, I just want you to take that in because I hope that when you hear that, you feel a sigh of relief. There's nothing new and you can't do anything wrong. So, you know, why do I want to talk to you about this? Okay, so I work with so many people and myself, right? I consider myself my own client in a lot of ways. I have to do a lot of, I have to do a lot of the work that I do with my clients on myself first, right? Being, being an, an amazing coach for someone else requires for you to be an amazing coach for yourself. I really believe that. In addition to having coaches, which I always have not only one, but usually more than one coach, but doing the work on yourself. So, so if you're listening and you're a coach or you're a, you're a creative service based anything, right? Hopefully you are your own client. You're the client of the work that you do. You're your own client, meaning you, you do the work on yourself if possible. Um, you know, my acupuncturist, just a little side note, she, does all of her own needles on herself before she does it on her clients, her patients. Anyway, I digress. So one of the things that I work on with all my clients and with myself is that we have to constantly like kind of teach ourselves and hear and relearn the fact that there's nothing new. And that's a good thing because so often when we are trying to create, we're creating content, we're creating ideas, we're trying to figure out our voice, we're creating our message, and we're thinking of how we want to put ourselves out into the world, right? The only way that that you can have an audience or clients, either one, right? So I always think about everyone listening to this as um, that that I know that many of you want to make money doing doing your thing. Like you want to be able to use what you are amazing at and get paid for it. And I'm all for that. I mean, that's what my whole life has been about. Um, but I also think that there are probably some of you out there listening that it's not only about like doing it for money, but maybe it's just that like you want to create, you want to, you want to use your art. You want to, maybe you just want to put out a podcast or maybe you want to make a painting or, you know, whatever it is that, that you want to do, even if it's not for money. The bottom line is that we all get caught up in this idea 
that we have to be doing something completely different than anyone's ever done before. And when we get into that mindset, that will really trip us up because what'll happen is we'll keep coming up against the fact that that what we're coming up with or what we do, right? What we do is actually not new. And then we're going to think that that's bad. And we're, and we start thinking that, that that means we're not good at what we do because we're not, we didn't make it up for the first time. We're not the first people who ever thought of, for example, that, you know, that, that people want to uh, work on themselves in order to have a better experience in, in the world, right? Like if I wanted to be the only coach that, that, that said that that was what I do, right? I would, I would have no business because everyone that's a coach, that's essentially what we, what we do, right? If you're a coach, your whole job is to help people that are not experiencing yet what they'd like to be experiencing. Your job is to help them experience it. And, and, and we talked in the niche episode about how then what your niche becomes is how you help maybe a more specific, you know, demographic of people do that. But the bottom line is that we're all doing the same thing. So I've worked with so many people and myself included that can get really tripped up in this idea that when we are trying to create our content, when we're trying to create our message, when we're getting our our stuff, you know, ready to put out into the world, we start having all of this doubt creep in and we start, you know, judging ourselves and we start thinking that other people aren't going to want what we're putting out because it's not something that they've never heard before. And here's what I am here to tell you. There's nothing that has never been said before. There's nothing that's never been done before. And so if you have this idea that you don't want to put your stuff out there because people have heard something like it before, then you're never going to put yourself out there. You're never going to do anything. You're going to get completely trapped in this idea that you can't put your stuff out there because it's not completely new. So when I say to you, there's nothing new, I'm telling you that with love. And I hope that that helps you to release the idea that you're responsible for coming up with something completely new. I actually think about this a lot, just so you know, and and, and I'm going to tell you why. I happen to have had numerous experiences in my life where the job that I had was to not do something new, okay? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you two really major times in my life where my job was actually not to do something new, but was to honor and respect and have integrity for the fact that my job was just to be the vessel or the communicator of something that was already so solid and and based in truth that I didn't need to do anything other than be the vessel for it to live through. And in doing that, what is natural and unavoidable is that my what makes me unique or special was part of that being the vessel, right? So when something moves through me, it can't help but then have and be affected by then what I bring to it. My my special touch, my unique lens, the the particular way that I share it. And so I'm going to tell you what I mean. So so one of the first experiences I ever had of what I'm sharing with you 
is was when I was in Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway uh, in, I don't know, it was like 1991. And Fiddler on the Roof, for those of you who may not know, is a, a musical, a very, 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 you know, one of the most, you know, famous musicals, most beloved musicals. Um, and it was written and conceived and staged and choreographed and directed by one person, Jerome Robbins. And... Fiddler on the Roof was considered like a masterpiece because Jerome Robbins made this show about the experience of living in in a shtetl that's like kind of like a little village um in in Russia um you know it's about it's about the Jews in Russia and um and he he when he directed the original production every single thing about it was stylized and specific. Everything that he directed in the show, the way people even just like made gestures with their hands or even certain inflections of the lines. And then of course, all of the dancing and the staging and everything, everything was so specific that after the original Broadway production of Fiddler on the Roof, Jerome Robbins had a you know, I, they you know they call it the Jerome Robbins Estate. They they had a, 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 a I don't I don't know what you even call it a mandate a law that 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 any major production of Fiddler on the Roof that was ever done a Broadway revival or a big national tour or a production at like a major theater somewhere in the country or in the world it had to have the original staging and choreography that Jerome Robbins put in the show and. When I got to do this revival in 1991, our director was was Jerome Robbins' assistant on the original Fiddler. And then she was our director. And what I learned was that there was this whole lineage. So lineage is one of my favorite words. Just want to put that out there. And I'm going to use it a lot today. But um, that there were all of these people that were part of the Jerome Robbins lineage, like for all of these years since the original production, I was in the 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 twenty the twentieth and the twenty fifth anniversary productions, or the twenty fifth and the thirtieth. Anyway, I was in like some major productions of Fiddler, and so for all of those years, there were all of these people who kind of were they were you know the holders or the keepers of this original content this original fiddler and for all the productions that would happen but even when Jerome Robbins wasn't involved there would have to be someone from the Jerome Robbins lineage who was the director the choreographer because because these productions had to be had to be done with the integrity and the original like design of the show because that's what what Jerome Robbins created and that was what he wanted if the show was done anywhere of significance that it would be like that it would be like that so anyway so I get to be in this production and and Jerome Robbins actually was still alive and he came to one day of our rehearsal and we got to you know, have him show us like this exact way he wanted us to, you know, move our arms or, uh, or hold our hands. It was very specific, um, really amazing symbolism in the show. And that was my first experience of, and, and I, you know, I was in the show and, and on, in the, in the Broadway production, I, I was the understudy to one of the, the, the daughters, one of the principal daughters. And I went on a lot as her. And so obviously when I was going on as this character, Hava, the daughter, of course I brought my talent to it. Of course, 
I sang it in my voice. Of course, I danced the dance with my body. Of course, I brought my emotion, my heart, what's inside of me that makes me uh, an actress that can convey emotion and feeling and that can that can show up in a way that that makes other people be able to have an experience. So that was, of course, me. There's There's some talent involved there. But what was really important about my showing up and playing this role was that I was doing it within this container that was very specific. And it was my job to maintain the lineage and the integrity of, of this show. And that was my first experience of, of realizing that sometimes your job is to uphold this you know, this original to honor and to take something that was so perfect and so specific in its construction and design that your job is not to change it, but rather to interpret it, right? Without like, without misinterpreting it. And that's how you bring your gifts and your skills and your talent to it. And that was such a profound experience for me. And I, I remember, you know, I had been in, I had been a performer. I had been in show business for, for already for a decade before I got into that show. And that was so, such a transformative experience in that. So then cut to, I become a yoga teacher and I start studying the, you know, the tradition the traditional teachings of yoga, right? When you become a yoga teacher, you study the the ancient teachings. Yoga is a is a is a teaching, it's a philosophy, it's a practice, it's a science. It's a science of the mind and it comes to us from the very original texts, like some of the earliest books of knowledge that we know, you know, to mankind, which were called the Vedas right? And all of the teachings of yoga are from the Vedas. And then throughout the years, there were like a handful, like not many yoga masters, yoga teachers that were the individuals who were sort of the ones who studied all of the ancient texts. You know, what yoga is now in modern, in the modern world, everybody thinks yoga is the poses, but it's not. The poses are just the some what some of the tools that we use to access the state of yoga. So so when you go to a yoga class and you get to do your down dog and you do your vinyasa practice and all of that, the thing to know is that like that is not yoga, meaning that's not that's not only what yoga is. That's a tool, but what yoga really is 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 this big philosophy. It's this major way of looking at our reason for for being. And it's a major way of looking at how our brains work and what it's like to be a human being with a brain that has many different components and that can cause you suffering or can actually be your greatest doorway to freedom. And in order to learn that and know that, you have to be a scholar right? Yoga requires scholarship. So there have only been a handful of yoga teachers in our modern times that are the people who who really immersed themselves, who really did that scholarship work and then became the teachers who brought yoga to us, right? To us, to the lay people, to the regular people. And so 
when I was doing my yoga teacher training and I was studying with some really great teachers, I, I've studied with some amazing scholars in, in my 20 years. I've, I'm a studier. I'm a learner. I'm a, I always want to be like learning more and doing more. And so I've taken so many yoga related things to in, increase my knowledge and increase my skills. And I've studied with some amazing people, yoga, philosophy, meditation, spirituality, in addition to the physical stuff, alignment and, and how the body works and how to put classes together that make sense and how to have certain effects on the energetic body and the and 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 how to how to use the poses to actually create balance. So I mean, oh my God, all of that. And I'm such a geek and I love it. And I can start a whole other podcast just on yoga. So maybe that'll happen at some point. But anyway. When I was studying to be a yoga teacher, I had that same feeling that I had with Fiddler. And that feeling was, wait a minute, my job is not to like make up new shit about yoga. This is like a perfect ancient philosophical science that scholars have been and 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 spiritual teachers. I mean, yoga it doesn't is not religious. It doesn't have to be, but it is absolutely a spiritual practice. Um and there have been people who are so much further along than me in their spiritual evolution, in, in, their, in the way that they're managing their minds, right? I'm not here to make anything up. I'm here to do the best I can to teach the teachings through me as a vessel in a way that's going to be the most relatable to my students in modern New York City and, you know, we're talking early 2000s, so from t t in the 2000s and the 2020s. And my job is to take these ancient teachings and not to fuck with them or change them or make up new shit that's not true, but rather to, to take these and hold them in their highest integrity and share them in a way that feels like I'm expressing myself and bringing my unique lens, my point of view, my life experience talk to my students who need to, to hear from me, you know, and I used to joke, I used to joke about, well, first it wasn't a joke. First, it was a total insecurity. The insecurity, when I first was getting my yoga teacher training certification, my first insecurity that came up right before I quote unquote graduated. Um, and I, and I called a mentor that I was, that was, you know, someone who I considered a mentor at the time. And I literally said to her, this was like right before my my graduation. I literally said to her, who's going to want to take yoga with me? I'm just a Jewish girl from New York who's never been to India. And this awesome teacher who I really, really admired and loved, she said the best thing ever to me. And she said, there are so many people who will need to take yoga from the Jewish girl from New York who's never been to India. Trust me. And when I started teaching and I gave myself permission to not have to do anything other than be authentic and to be me teaching from my experience, which at that time I had never been to India. I have been more than once since, but I hadn't been at that time. And when I allowed myself to be authentic and to trust, and this is a big place that we're going with this episode today, that my job was to take this incredible, solid information that I believed in and to hold it in its highest integrity, 
but to know that my unique way that I interpreted it without, again, without disrespecting it or like sort of mutating it, but to make it whatever we want to call it, relatable um, for my students, right? There's a big difference teaching yoga to a bunch of people in New York City in 2000, you know, 21, than there is teaching yoga to, you know, to, uh, I'll just say it, to to people like literally in India, right? Like, I don't know how I would feel teaching people in India yoga. I would definitely feel like, this isn't my place. I don't know if I don't know if I should be doing this, you know, um, simply because I don't know that like it's worth or I don't want to say worth. <clears throat> I think everything that we all do is worth worth it. But I don't know that my unique lens or perspective would be relatable to that particular audience. Right. And, you know, when if you heard listen to the episode on niche, which I hope you will, if you haven't, that's a big part of what we talked about in that episode was like knowing like who who your audience is, who's going to want to listen to you and your stuff, who's going to want to receive what it is that you're offering, who's going to find value in it and knowing that. Right. Because you're not for everybody. So. When I allowed myself to to really step into the idea that like one of my jobs was to be this like like the sacred keeper of these teachings that I respect and that I admire and that are ancient and that I'm allowed to bring my unique voice and perspective so that I can make these teachings relatable, understandable, and relevant to my class, to my audience, everything changed. And for 20 years, I eventually became someone who taught other people how to be teachers. I eventually became someone who certified yoga teachers. I wrote a teacher training. I People have my name on their certificate. And one of the things that was always so important to me was the integrity, the fact that I'm not here to make up anything new about yoga. I can be an innovator when it comes to how I might help people to have an experience so that they can understand the deep concepts of yoga in their bodies and minds. I might come up with new ways to put things together in order to guide them to the experience. But at the end of the day, I'm not here to rewrite the teachings or to come up with something new. I'm not here to be someone who's going to try to get, you know, on the cover of a magazine, you know, Stacey Brass Russell, she made up a new yoga pose. Nope, not interested. That's not my job. That's not what I'm here to do. And yet, it didn't stop me or keep me from being an extremely well-liked yoga teacher. And when I say well-liked, I mean that I had many, many people that wanted to come and study with me and take my class for many, many, many years without me making up anything new about yoga. So the reason I wanted to tell you these stories is because this is 30 years or so in the making of me getting to where I am now, where I confidently turn around and tell everyone there's nothing new there's nothing new if you're a coach there's a million other coaches out there that's fine you're not making up coaching you're not here to make something up about coaching the only people <laughs> I'm just gonna say this so some people might think that what I'm about to say is like I sound like an asshole but 
I actually think that like who's here to make up something new? Scientists. <laughs> Scientists are here to make up something new. Like they spend all their time in a lab creating something new. I think that they might be the only people, you know, otherwise the rest of us, we're thought leaders. We are not making up anything new, but we're making up different ways to understand what already exists. We are using our unique voices, our life experience, our lenses, our perspectives, our point of views, our spin on things in order to help other people to have a certain experience or to help other people. And that's what our special sauce is, right? Our special sauce is the unique perspective that we bring or the ideas that we have about how to take what we already know, like what we know works, what we know about how the brain works, what we know about how, you know, what what people need, what habit, like if you're a coach, such a big part of what you're helping people do is to, is to create habits, for example, that support them doing and being who they want to be and doing what they want to do in order to have the outcomes that they want to have, right? Number one obstacle of anyone who you talk to, if you're a coach, the bottom line is you're talking to people who would like to be doing or having something that they're not right now. And your job as the coach is to help them figure out like what they need to be doing differently in order to have what they, and then what they, you know, in order to have what they want to have right? And so that's coaching. That's coaching. It doesn't matter if you're a health coach, a life coach, a business coach, a relationship coach. You know, I, I don't care what you call yourself, right? If you're a coach, your job, the, the whole power, the whole, I was going to say paradigm of coaching, and I'm going to talk about paradigms in a little, little while, but not even the paradigm, but the whole, just the whole foundation of coaching, what it is, is that we help people identify what they would like instead of what they're having now. We help them identify like why they're not already having what they want. And then we help them identify what they'd like to do in order to get what they want, right? And then we help hold them accountable and help them set themselves up for success and create whatever they need to create in order to do it. There, that's coaching. I don't care what kind of coach you are, that's coaching, right? So what we're talking about here about there's nothing new is that that's not new. So when you're creating your business or when you're putting your message out there, the idea is not for you to curl up at home and hide because you haven't thought of the the the, the latest, most innovative thing that no one's ever heard of when it comes to coaching. That's not your job. Your job is to really be able to see what about you makes your point of view or your lens or your unique perspective special and why the way you teach, say, guide, but you know, all of the things that you do when you're when you're first of all attracting people, putting out content of value, um, creating things that people will want to listen to or watch or see so that they can get to know you, build your know, like and trust when you create your programs, when you tell people how, you know, you have a specific process that you've created, that is your uniqueness. It's the processes. It's the, it's the lens. It's, it's the way you say something that your ideal client resonates with and goes, oh my God, the five of us, 
five of us that are in the same similar fields, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I have so many fields, right? So like all of us that are healers, creatives, coaches, people in wellness, people that that are here to like be in service, people that are, you know, the creatives that help other people. If you're a copywriter, if you're an editor, if you're a you know website designer, if you're a whatever you are, we could all like line up, right? And we could all basically say the same thing. But we would all say it in a different way. We'd say it like us. And then in the whole world of I, of clients out there, every person would relate to each one of us differently. Some people would relate to one of us. Some people would relate to someone else. And that would all be because of the way we were saying it. We could all be saying the exact same thing, but people will hear it a certain way from a certain person. So we're not here to make anything new. What we're here to do is express what we already can lean into and rely on. Don't you like the fact that that in whatever your field is, whatever it is that you're here to do, there are some things that are definitely like the known things. There are some known things. There are some best practices. There are some, you know, there's there's definitely a model of coaching, right? There's a model of yoga. There's a model of um for example, you know, great storytelling. Like like there's there are models for things and we get to use those things and we also get to have integrity and sort of trust and value the original when we are in a field. Maybe not every field has this. Maybe not every field has a fiddler or, you know, a fiddler on the roof or, or, a, or an a, a ancient lineage of yoga, you know, but, but somewhere in what you do, there's something that you yourself over the years have 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 decided is like is like the thing that that you look to as the gold star right like er, in every one of our fields anything you do whoever you are there is no way that you don't have that handful of people that you see as the trailblazers or that you see as the ones who came before you that have sort of like let you know like this is this is the best way to approach x y or z we all have that and that's there for a reason. And then you get to use that and then expand upon it or, you know, put your own spin on it. So that's what brings us to the next part, which is there's there's no way to do it wrong. Right? So I, I said this, this episode is about there's nothing new and you can't do anything wrong. Okay, so here's what I want to say about not doing anything wrong. Because I have to coach people all day, every single day about putting shit out there and not worrying that they can't do anything wrong. It's not going to be wrong. We can't know how things are going to go until we get it out there, until we start, until we like put it out and then we see how's it going? What's the response? Am I getting the response I want? Are people signing up? Are they listening? Are they watching? Are they getting results? Are they getting outcomes? Is the feedback like, wow, this is amazing, right? But the bottom line is you can't know any of that until something is out there. And if the feedback that we get when we put ourselves out there, so so here's the thing, right? So, so I'm a yoga teacher and I have this lineage and I have this foundation for what like, 
how to teach yoga, right? Like what, what, like what am I teaching? Well, I want to stay on track with that. I definitely don't want to have people go to a yoga class and leave feeling like wound up and stressed out and anxious. I mean, so, so I have like, I have some sort of guidelines, right? Around like how I'm going to know if my yoga class like does what it's supposed to do or if it misses the mark, right? So what am I going to do? Well, I got to go teach the yoga class. I'm going to do my best. And when I say there's no, you know, you can't do anything wrong, that's within the understanding, right, that you are showing up in integrity and that you're showing up in alignment. I mean, this is important. So, you know, yes, you can do any, you can do something wrong if you show up with bad intentions, right? And that's what I always, I always tell my clients. I'm like, okay, let's just look at your come from. Let's look at the, let's look at, at your intentions. Was your intention to like, like to do this badly or to, to no? Okay, great. So you can't do anything wrong. The only time you do anything wrong is when you have malintent. The only time you do anything wrong is when you go, well, I know, I know what would be the most integrity, you know, what would be the most in integrity. And I'm just going to, I'm just not going to do that. Okay. So then, yeah, that's a way that you can do something wrong. But what we're talking about here is when you're showing up from the best place, the best intention, you're putting your effort in, you're putting your heart in. All you want is for people to have a great outcome. You want your clients to have a great outcome. You want people to have a great experience. You want to be in service, right? All that, all that's in place. And then you're like terrified to post on social media or to put your program out there or to, you know, offer your services. And it's because you're afraid that like you're, that you're going to do it wrong. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as doing it wrong. There's only doing it. And then once you do it, then you get to start seeing like what happens and then What's the worst thing that happens is you go, oh, okay, I think I need a different strategy on that. Or, oh, I can tweak this. Or, oh, okay, now that I'm seeing like how people are responding, I can go back and I can make adjustments. I can use that information and then I can refine and I can come back at it again. But that's the only way to do anything. There is no way to pre-game everything being quote unquote right because what is right what is right so right in 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 this you know in in my in Stacey Brass Russell world right is being in integrity right is knowing that you're coming from the best place possible and that your intentions are are great and that you are coming from your highest version of yourself and when you're doing that you can't do anything wrong now, is that to say that we don't like launch a program and not get as many people to sign up for it? And then we can look back on the launch and go, okay, well, I guess like next time we need to, to rethink this or we need to strategize differently. Or is that to say that we like, that we, you know, labor over, <laughs> over writing the perfect social media post and, you know, and then we put it out there and crickets. Does that mean your post was wrong? No, it does not. Does that mean that like you still haven't maybe like figured out like the way to speak to your audience? Maybe. Does that mean that you have work to do? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. 
And we have this fear, right? With the whole, there's nothing new and you can't do anything wrong. We have these fears. We have these fears that if we use our unique perspective, we use our lens, we take our gifts and our skills and our life experience, and we come up with something that feels new, meaning the new part of it is your message. The new part is is how you say it. The new part is you trusting in yourself that your voice matters because there are people out there that need to hear this information that may not be new information, but they need to hear it from you because the way that you share it is going to be the way that they're finally going to get it. It's going to be the way that they're finally going to go, oh my God, yes, you didn't necessarily make everything up. But what you did do is you shared it from your point of view, your lens, your perspective. And the only way that you can have that impact or have that reach is if you believe that your job is not necessarily to make up anything new, that we're all just teaching the same stuff, right? If, if everybody wanted to be the, 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 the biggest innovator of, you know, mindset stuff, and this is, this is a big one, right? There are so many thought leaders out there. You know, I'm reading, I have Mel Robbins's, um, the five second rule, right? I'm just going to give you an example. The five second rule, you know, her whole thing is like, when you have an impulse or an idea, or you want to like take action on something, you've got five seconds before your mind will talk you out of it. Did she actually make up that science? No, she did not. But does she have like a best-selling multi-million dollar book because she created a way of teaching it and sharing it through her unique lens and called it the five-second rule? Yes. That's what thought leadership is, right? Gabby Bernstein did not make up that the universe has your back, okay? Like, like there have been people for centuries saying, like, that they know that, like, we are connected to the universe. The universe has your back is kind of like saying, like, something along the lines of that God, is, you know, God is with you. Right? These are not new things, but it's it's new when somebody decides to have the courage to take their unique lens that can only be created through their unique experience and take an idea, a concept, a proven concept, uh, you know, a, a, a majorly important understanding about about life, about the way things work, about the way the brain works, and share it in a way that their ideal client, their ideal audience are going to respond to. They're going to go, oh, man, that now I get it. Now I understand. So that's what you're here to do. That is what you're here to do. If you're here, right, listening to Passionate and Prosperous, and we're here to talk about what it means to create a passionate and prosperous life by using your gifts and your skills and your message and your voice, then then you know, right, that it is important for you to be able to craft your message so that you can speak your truth and you can share the teachings that are the most helpful to you and what you feel the most connected to in a way that your people will hear, will get, and will then respond to. So there's no way to get it right. There's only a way to start and then to evolve, right? And that's what this is all about. This is all about 
being willing to evolve. Now, I don't even want to talk in this episode about like the whole fear that we have about like about, you know, people literally like criticizing us or saying mean things to us. I mean, I've you know, I, I, I've been bullied in, in, in many different forms <laughs> throughout my life from when I was a kid to even in my adult life. Like I've had, I've had the bullies, right? Um, and I think with social media, there's a lot of fear of putting yourself out there, you know, and, and for, you know, haters, right? The haters, haters gonna hate, as Taylor Swift says. But we cannot let those fears keep us from putting ourselves out there. So we have to work on our fears of that, right? What's the worst thing that happens if someone doesn't like what you say or they go, oh, that's not new or, well, big deal. Like, you know, like I already heard that, you know, <laughs> when I would go in and teach yoga teacher trainings, one of the biggest sort of anxieties that I would have right before going in to teach was this like, and it was such a stupid thought um, uh, that's not, I shouldn't say that. No thoughts are stupid, but it was silly. It was silly, but I would get really hung up on going in and getting worried that everyone in the room was already going to know everything that I had prepared to teach. Now, of course they didn't. <laughs> they were coming to a yoga teacher training to learn. If they already knew everything, they wouldn't be there. But of course I would go all in my head and be like, oh, this is so simple. What I'm teaching them I, I I should be teaching them something mind-blowing. And then, of course, it was always exactly what it was supposed to be because they were there to learn, and I had prepared the material for them in exactly the way that they needed to hear it. That's why they had chosen me to be their teacher. And that's why your clients are going to choose you to be their whatever, to be their, to, to be their coach, to be their, um, or, or your, or your audience is going to choose you to be their inspirer, to be their motivator, um, or why someone's going to choose you to be their designer because they're going to see your work and they're going to hear how you reflect back to them what they say they want. And that is going to be the reason that they connect with you, that they want to work with you. So, what I'm hoping you're going to take away from this episode is the importance of trusting that you are not here to make up new stuff. You can, you know, you can be an innovator, but the truth is, is that what makes us innovators is really our unique lens. It's the perspective we bring to the stuff that we share and say and do. It's the process that we can codify and tell people, hey, this is how I'm going to help you. This is how I do it. This is my unique special way that I take this information and this stuff that like we know works, but I put my little spin and my secret sauce and that's why I'm special and that's why you want to work with me. And you've got to be willing to do that. You've got to be willing to do that. We'll talk a lot in this podcast about confidence, but I'm here to tell you, and you'll hear, I'll say it over and over and over again, confidence only builds when you do something outside your comfort zone, take a risk, do something that scares you, use your courage, and then the byproduct is confidence. And I'm going to, I'm never going to back down from that. That is, that you'll hear me say it over and over. So if you want to get the confidence first, not going to happen. There's no way to get confidence in your house or your apartment behind your computer screen thinking there's no way to get confidence doing more and more and more writing and homework, <laughs> right? The only way you get the confidence is you put yourself out there. 
And then, you know, you got to have tools in place. You got to have support in place. You've got to know what to do when you put yourself out there, right? And you, you're you never going to put yourself out there and get like a, a, a universally horrible response. Like it's just not going to happen. I'm going to tell you and promise you that that's not going to happen. You may get like a like a mixed response and that's okay. You have to learn how to have some resilience and how to have a thick skin and how to sort of take take what you want to hear and, you know, what's valuable feedback, use it. And what's just someone being an asshole, you got to know how to have that distinction too. And there are, that will happen, right? And you're allowed to ignore the assholes. So here's what, what I'm going to tell you that I think is really important for you to do if you haven't done it already. And I used the word paradigm earlier. We all need to know what our paradigms are in the work that we do, meaning we all need to be able to articulate what those things are that that are our lens, our unique perspective, our unique like kind of way that we have summed up uh, the work, the experience. So I'll just give you an example, right, of me, Stacey Brass Russell, one of my paradigms that I teach and share and that I put out there and I, I hold steady with. And I'm like, I know this is good. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I didn't make it up. I'm not the master. I didn't invent the fact that our brains don't like change. That's from ancient yoga philosophy, okay? But here's what I say. Change is never a sign of failure. It's your opportunity to evolve. And you will see that all over the place. If you follow me, I'll say it. It's written. It's on my website. It's in my materials. It'll come up in things that I create because that's a paradigm of my coaching. Did I invent coaching? Did I invent the, how the brain works? Did I invent brain science? Did I invent NLP? Did I invent? No, I did not. But I have taken a stand, or I don't want to say taken a stand, but I've take, I have the confidence to say the things that I really feel are the cornerstones of what I relate to the most in all of the work that I've been doing for 20 years. And I have put it into some some simple paradigms that I can use over and over and over again as my message and as my thought leadership and what sets me apart from everyone else who's talking about the brain, talking about change, talking about how how to evolve in the way that you want to in your life how to keep yourself in high vibration. So I didn't make it all up, but I feel really good about the stuff that I say because the lens that I teach it through, a lot of people relate to. Does everyone want to be my client? No. Does everybody relate to me and the way that I say things? No. But all I care about is that the people that are meant to hear what I have to say that are going to benefit from it because they relate to it because I say it in a way that finally helps them to understand something or that speaks to their heart or that opens them up or that makes them think a different way or helps them to have a transformative experience. Those people, that's who I'm talking to. So you just need to know who you're talking to and you need to know what you want to say. So wrapping up, there's nothing new and you can't do anything wrong. I can't wait to be with you next time. Stay tuned. We've got a new episode coming out next week. And I love to hear from you. So if anything that I do share, say, teach, um, resonates with you, 
please feel free to find me on social media. Send me a DM. Shoot me an email. I am not hard to find. My contact stuff is everywhere. Um, I really would love to hear from you. That is the reason I do what I do. I'm big on building community. I love having conversations with people. And I'm definitely all about us all getting to have the transformations that we desire so that we can all live our passionate and prosperous lives. Thank you so much for listening to Passionate and Prosperous with me, Stacey Brass Russell. As always, I want to thank you for listening and being a part of the Passionate and Prosperous community. You can get notified when new episodes drop every Wednesday. So please make sure to click the follow or subscribe button on your platform of choice. And if that happens to be Apple, it's the little plus sign on the top right. If you know anyone that you think would benefit from what we're doing here, spread the love and tell a friend. Stay tuned for next week's episode where I'm going to share with you what you need to start a biz. As always, I'm sending you love and high vibes. And remember, life is hard and there's always something you can do about it.